Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. Hi, Adam. Hi, how hey. are you today? Hey, this is this is <laughs> this is a fun Monday morning for everyone to wake up. I hope you enjoyed your weekend. I hope you enjoyed your sugary cereal and your cartoons this Saturday. Yeah, you woke up, you plopped down in front of the TV, you, you caught your, your, your favorite new episodes of, uh, oh wait, they don't do that anymore. <laughs> they don't. Hey, all TV <laughs> is on the internet now, and it's all on Netflix, and that Netflix and Disney Plus are the only things children watch, and YouTube, uh, which is less formal cartoons and more surrealist propaganda from uh, <laughs> Eastern Bloc countries. <laughs> people unboxing toys and uh promoting beauty products uh um, it's a whole whole new world <laughs> if you don't have kids and more power to you if you don't and you've not left a kid unsupervised with youtube uh 20 minutes you had to take a shower you just we've all been there i i don't think you should do this frequently i do think you should experience it once just letting a child go down a YouTube hole in like a half hour and just see see what weird stuff comes out the other side because it's legitimately not like upsetting disturbing but how weird things get in that short of a period of time easily easily like my daughter started asking for a um um what are the things you put on the back of an iPhone? A a, a pop, a, 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 poppets things. things? Yeah, I don't know. It. I I have with a, I have man sized hands, so I don't a, use one. But with a character from a, a YouTube show that I was like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. And then she's like, Well, it's on this person's channel, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. So, Adam, do you not keep up with the latest YouTube trends? I'm trying to as a responsible parent, but man, it is confusing. I liked the days where I could just turn on my TV and watch my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Everyone wants the days where they could just turn on their TV and watch their <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But they don't make Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles anymore, I don't think. I just don't really watch children's television. I actually think they recently had a series, and like John Ralphio was, was one of them. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they keep making them. Um, it's very popular. Good yeah. job, Kevin Eastman. <laughs> well, you know who else has had a lot of uh, animated adventures on, on television and VHS? Um, is, is it the Transformers? Are we talking about Transformers this episode? <laughs> no. Is this, the, is this the episode we get real into Transformers? Because I could talk about some lost light. No, we're talking about oh. the X-Men. This is an X-Men right. podcast, Zach. Right. That is our, that's our bit. That's our, have, that's our territory here of the Nerdosphere. Zach, have some pride. Have some pride, okay? I hate you so much. Yes. <laughs> We're going to have some pride of the X-Men in the X-Men because uh, Patreon supporter Matt Smith went on over to patreon.com slash battle of the atom. And he said, y'all, listen, I would like you to talk about the X-Men 
animated special original graphic novel. Um, it came out in 1990, and it's a direct adaptation of the failed pilot Pride of the X-Men. Uh, it's written by Danny Fingeroth, uh, and the art is... The art is by, it is credited by Marvel Productions. So they don't even mention the animation company at all. Um, so really, who was the, the animation company of Pride of the X Men? It was the G.I. Joe guys, wasn't it? It was Toei, who did a lot of the G.I. Joe and Transformers artwork. Um, so it does kind of have that similar G.I. Joe feel to it in terms of the, the character designs. Um, did you. You probably didn't encounter Pride of the X-Men at all growing up, right? No, no. Uh, the X-Men that I encountered growing up was the animated series when I was younger, younger. Like, I I know I am younger than you, Adam. They were still playing it on Saturday morning. Yeah. We still played, we still played X-Men. My friend Dave Newman did have a collection of X-Men toys that I do in retrospect, think we're his older brothers, uh, <laughs> but we were we were aware of the X Men as it as an entity. However, Pride of the X Men, this what ended up just being for people a VHS and the basis of the Konami X Men arcade game, where we have definitely legally stolen the music from for this podcast. Uh, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's didn't such encounter an anomaly. It. It's such an anomaly because it was something weird. That- is an artifact of like, you know, uh, homegrown video stores. Like, you know, there used to be a time even before Blockbuster, if you guys remember that, uh, where you could go to like a corner mom and pop video store and like you could rent Pride of the X-Men, which I I just read the Wikipedia entry because, you know, I didn't really remember the history of this and I wanted to know who the animation company was, but Apparently, the the history behind the why there's only one of these is because Marvel Studios, the sort of production company around this, was also producing a Saturday morning cartoon around RoboCop, which I guess only lasted for a season. And what they did was they took the animation budget for the, the last episode of RoboCop and they said, let's do an X-Men because this is going to like this is going to go huge everyone's gonna want to watch this show and then like marvel studios the the production company basically went belly up and so there was no more money to make anything and we never saw anything else which is kind of a shame because pride of the x-men is is really i think it's well animated and it's aside from a very australian wolverine it's not a terrible introduction to the x-men Hey, do you know who does the voices for both Toad and Lockheed the Dragon in Pride no. of the X-Men? No, who? Uh, Frank Welker. You know, uh, the voice the voice of Fred Jones from Scooby-Doo. Also, oh, more really? importantly, the voice of Scooby-Doo from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and Megatron. Megatron. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, that's and cool. Soundwave. Uh, yeah, Garfield. One, Nibbler. One, Nibbler the, from uh, Futurama, by oh, the way. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, the uh, the one voice credit I picked up on was that Magneto, who's it's it's a great performance, is the same actor who plays the uh, really like mean uh, psychotherapist from Terminator Two, who like locks up Linda Hamilton. Um, sure. He's in like 
those movies and that's it. But like, this is one of his animated credits and I, I don't know. I mean, I would have loved to have, uh, you know, seen a timeline where this got maybe a season pickup because it's, I think it's pretty well done. Um, we, we should probably talk about what the plot of it is. Well, hold on. Can I, Adam, I feel like I need to address this so that yes. our podcasting audience does not get the wrong impression. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, we're, we're kind of concentrating on the show when we're not talking about the comic. Oh, no, we're still going to talk about the show for a hot second here. Because <laughs> um, I need to point out that actually it's bad, and I'm glad it doesn't exist in any more than these 30 minutes. And I hate it, and I don't think it's good. Oh, really? At all? I don't like Pride of the X-Men at all. I think it's oh. poorly animated. I think it's poorly plotted. I think the voice acting is pretty bad. I like Kitty Pride sucks. Wolverine sucks. Wolverine is terrible. Wolverine's I, I gotta disagree y'all. with you on the animation, if only because if you look, if you put it in the context of everything else that was coming out at the time, it's actually pretty well done. I mean, if you well, go back, yeah, I know you. We were just talking about Transformers, but like, go back and watch '80s Transformers. It's also really bad, rough. Like so. What's 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 tough for me as like growing up when I grew up, the big shows were X Men and Spider Man and Batman, which all have like a shift change oh, sure. in quality of animation compared to the stuff that was going out in the eighties. Yep. So it, even even as a kid, it was hard for me to go back to like I could go watch like the sixties Hanna Barbera stuff. Or I could watch the Looney Tunes reruns that they had on Cartoon Network. But that 80s animation Saturday morning boom stuff always, like, left a bad taste in my mouth. Okay. It was this weird middle ground between, like, the cartooning cartooning that they were doing back in the before times and what I grew up with as a child. Sure. I just, um, if you look at... uh... You know, if I'm if I can talk about a couple of the the individual characters that are that are animated in ways that you might not you would never see, for instance, on the X Men animated series, the level of detail that you see in Colossus's armor, or like um, they do a really good job of capturing the blue versus the black shadows on Cyclops's costume, and even when he's moving around, you see that shifting. You know what I mean? Like there's there you can tell that this is at the very least a pilot level of 80s animation, you know, like enough money was put into it so that there is that kind of like you've got an effects budget. So you've got some some, you know, lightning, rain, uh, you know, lighting effects going on in certain places. I mean, I, I have to put it into the context of like the time period. I don't think it stacks up obviously against something like Batman, the animated series. No, Um, but we should also talk about if we're talking about quality, (laughs) we have to talk about how weird this graphic novel is that they, yeah, we should get, we should, we should stop talking about the thing that inspired the graphic novel and just start talking about this dang thing because animation is one thing. And we could argue that, I'll be real, Adam. You recently rewatched Pride of the X Men. I've seen it like twice in my life, and I'm just kind of going off memory at this point. Yeah. Uh, this is not animated. <laughs> this no. is this is this is bad one of the scans. weirdest 
This is one of the weirdest X-Men artifacts I think exists. I mean, we've talked about such amazing graph, Marvel graphic novels on this show. We've talked about God Loves, Man Kills, which, you know, no one in their right mind would ever reissue with a new prologue or epilogue. Um, yeah, especially not using <laughs> Brett Anderson. Uh, several years past his prime, God bless him. Uh, we've talked, have, have we talked about the New Mutants graphic novel? We have, right? We've not talked about the New Mutants okay. graphic novel. All right, but people know it exists. Like, if you go back to the pantheon, uh, the, the canon, if you will, of, of Marvel graphic novels, there's really good ones. It is absolutely bizarre that they published in the same, like, large-scale format, I'm looking at it right now, a, a full-length adaptation where they don't, redraw the scenes oh They're, no this is a cash in yeah That's all this is tell tell our listeners what you're looking at here when you look at these panels because it's astounding that they published this so the fact that danny fingeroth is the writer writer on this Quote actually makes a lot of sense because you know he's an editor for the most part like he or i won't say for the most part but he has a long history of editing and this is essentially taking stills from the animation poorly scanned stills like poorly captured it's bad there's a lot a lot of artifact facking like they they didn't even get the original cells or anything like this no it's straight up this is this is they like somehow whatever you did to screen capture things back in 1990 they did that uh can i with, can i can i make a guess as to how i would love this? to i don't know Here's what I think they did, because if you uh, there's obviously you mentioned artifacts, there's obviously certain visual artifacts that exist. Like when you look at an old TV and the way in which it had the lines on it that you would never see on something like today on a high definition television. Right. Sure. But in a tube television that you might have in the 80s and the early 90s, this is coming out in 1990. Um you can actually see in certain panels and stills, you can see those lines going across the, the panel. Um, and my suspicion is that they literally photographed a television playing back the VHS. I like to assume they got their best television for it, though. Like, they got the good camera, they got the good TV, and they used that. Yeah. But still, especially in an oversized format, it doesn't look good. Fingeroth decides, well, I can't do anything fancy with panels, so we're doing we're doing six panel grids, two wide, three tall. We're just gonna we're gonna mix it up every once in a while. And you can see you can see where he like wants to get fancy with it when he knows, <laughs> no, this needs this needs a two panel splash right here. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a there's a element where like Wolverine is charging at the camera and it's it's just the same shot overlaid three times like playing cards next to each other and it looks terrible. Which, I feel like with the right artist like actually hand drawing that shot and maybe even you know putting it through Photoshop just to duplicate it or whatever. That's an effect that could look good, like three overlapping panels. Sure, of course. Of hand drawn out, like something really coming at you. Yeah. But it doesn't look good here because oh. this is a picture from a television. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it is really wild. Um, 
How's the plot on this one, bud? I mean, it's just, it's, like I said, it is uh, an 80s pilot. Like, the idea here is to introduce the X-Men. So, Kitty Pride has come to the X-Mansion, gets introduced to the team through the Danger Room. Magneto has uh, escaped from captivity, and they have to go defeat him. And that's, that's it. Yeah, he he also tries to throw a throw a meteor at the planet yes destroy all life which isn't great no no it's not it's it's very silver agey uh he's joined by uh the toad the blob um white pyro yes pyro and the juggernaut so we get a a a nice uh rogues gallery here of villains and uh the x-men if you like zach mentioned if you've played the the side scroller two-screen, four-player video game uh, from the 90s. You know who this cast is because it's the same one as the video game. Dazzler, Wolverine, Storm, Dazzler, Colossus, Cyclops, uh, and Nightcrawler. (laughs) Nightcrawler almost dies in this one, but then he doesn't, and it's very anticlimactic. Yes, it gives an opportunity for uh, Kitty Pryde to have um that sort of like oh i'm scared of nightcrawler oh i care about nightcrawler moment from the comics but it's not sold very well it's especially not sold well here where the first thing he says to her is may i kiss your and then he's trying to say hand but it gets cut off and it's just <laughs> kind of weird kurt that one danny maybe you could have you could have massaged that line so it's less uh like reasonable for her to say oh gross don't do that i'm 14 and you literally just met me little creepy. i understand nightcrawler nightcrawler nightcrawler's all swashbuckly and whatever in the context of the today times i don't like it and i'm very sensitive about kitty pride and uh people uh being weird about age gap stuff and kissing her yeah it's weird. i wonder why uh yeah so, um, I mean, I blame Christopher Claremont, but that's just fine. Yeah, we are going <laughs> to rank this, but I would say that I, you know, aside from just being like a weird, you know, sort of strange thing from the past, you absolutely do not need to track this down. You really don't. Um, cause it's bad. I almost fell asleep, which means that it's not going to rank very high on our list of every X-Men story of all time, of which we are on the road to 500. We have 408. So far, uh, the number one story on our list is the Dark Phoenix Saga. The number 100 story on our list is X-Factor 27, Gifts. The number 200 story on our list is Captain America 170 to 175, The Secret Empire, but not that one. The good one, actually, uh, where Richard Nixon shoots himself in the head. Uh, Number 300 is Daydreamers. Number 400 on our list is X-Men 100th Anniversary Special. I haven't thought about that one in a while. That one's bad. Uh, (laughs) Number 408 is The Draco. Also bad. Um, I don't even know where to start with this one. All right, Where can we- I can I make a recommendation? I'd like to hear your recommendation because there's this certain magical moment where this uh, list goes from like poor quality to like we're 
were offended <laughs> by sure by just how much of a mess it is. And I feel like it's somewhere around where you have highlighted, which is at the Shatterstar saga at 386. Oh, I had just clicked something. <laughs> but you, I had not you, highlighted anything, my dude. You, but yes. You're clicking in the right place though. Um I feel like we're on a very similar page as like that Roy Thomas Marvel Superhero special six to eight. Um, oh, it's very similar to that. Right? Like, very poor quality, um, very poor production value, uh, you know, like, doesn't need to exist. So, but it's not, like, it's not offending me in a way that, you know, like, we go down to 391 and we see X-Factor uh, 39 to 40, you know. Hey, I just reread all of Peter David's X-Factor recently because I hate myself. Mm. Uh, and I got back to those issues. Yeah, still bad. Hey, guys, Peter X-Men's David Factor is... <laughs> <laughs> Not great. Yeah, guys, it's worse than you remember it. The Because I think everyone remembers it as like having some really strong moments uh, and then having some weak stuff that they've kind of put to the back of their mind. Hey, I'm here to tell you as your friend and someone who was also upset when he re-realized this. The good parts aren't as good as you remember, and the bad parts are a heck of a lot worse. Yeah, I, th- I we may need to revisit some of our rankings on those because I feel like we, at least the, the beginning of it, I think we, you know, said some pretty nice things about it. I, I still <laughs> Not- think... I think those first six issues, while they aren't perfect, are probably the strongest part strongest. of the run. Yes. I, I, I would... I would I would stand by that. I think, I think, and this is off topic, I think the first 25-ish issues, while they have a few warts that I would rather not be there, still hold together as, like, a pretty good run of comics. Like, that's a good two-year run on a book. Sure. He was then on the book for several more years, and it gets progressively worse. Mm-hmm. There is a there is a shift of editorial at one, at a couple of points, and you can... You can tell which editors were reining him in and which ones gave him free free reign to do whatever he wants. Yeah. You can, you can mark your clock by it because the <laughs> moment things go off rails, there was a different editorial team. And then um, they get pulled back in and it was a different editorial team. Wild to see. Anyway, not what we were talking about. I do think it's be- this is better than multiple birth. Um not as good as Apocalypse the Twelve at three eighty seven. Okay, um, better or worse than the first time that the Avengers and the X Men get together? X Men thirty or forty three to forty five. I want to say it is worse than that, and worse than Eve of Destruction, which is a bad story that does have one very very good page in it. Yes. Which is one more good page than this book has in it. <laughs> is it better than X-Force Shatterstar at 390? Shatterstar also has only one good page, but I would put this between those because the bad pages at Shatterstar are pretty bad. All right. Then this is going to be our new 390, the X-Men uh, animation special. Yeah. I'm not going to tell people that they should track this bad boy down. No, uh, this but is if for- you completists only <laughs> listen if you see this in a long box pick it up it's a weird thing and i love owning weird things from long boxes hmm. love it it's my fate i've never found like a 
valuable issue in a long box. Like, I may have found a issue of Uncanny that goes for a little bit more than cover price. I have found some weird stuff, and I'm very happy with the weird stuff I found long box I like to diving. find the weird stuff. <laughs> hey, you want to know about something else that's weird, Adam? Uh... What is so weird, Zach? Uh, it's X-Men the manga 1 through 4. Uh, <laughs> the first two are written and uh, drawn by Harisho Hikagi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second two by Koji Yasomi. Uh, with translations by Matsumi Matsuda on both of them. Uh, and this is a direct adaptation. Well, I, I don't want to say direct direct. Because it's less direct than... Uh, say the animated animation it's a, special. It's not a literal uh, adaptation. Well, I think it, it is gets, literally what an adaptation is, but it, it's like yes. an adaptation in the traditional sense of yes. it adapted something. Yes, it is an actual adaptation as opposed to just screenshots. <laughs> um, yeah, this is uh, this is a really fun four issue take on. Um, I think an episode of television, a pair of episodes of television that X-Men fans have watched uh, probably on repeat forever, whether it be on reruns, whether it be on the VHS copy you made with your VCR, whether it uh, you got a copy at Pizza Hut, um, but Night of the Sentinels, which is, you know, a similar premise um, to Pride of the X-Men, except no Kitty Pride this time. We've got Jubilee encountering yeah. sentinels at the mall and i'm gonna be honest X-Men. there's an edit there's an edit of one of the panels here that i had forgotten was an edit for the longest time because one of the panels that circulates online from this is professor xavier sitting there in front of his computer screen and saying this is jubilee she is adorable <laughs> and I thought for a second that that was the real one and I was a little disappointed that it's not also uh Mangakata Hiroshi Higuchi has stopped drawing manga pretty much right after this. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, he does. He does landscapes and portraits wow. and stuff. Wow, they're nice. They they look they look like portraits and landscapes. That's all. Okay, I I love. Uh, I think the art. What do you? Which two issues do you think the art is stronger in? I. Because th- we should we should note that this is being done in a very sort of uh, cartoony traditional manga style. Uh, oh yeah, this lots... is 90s this is very 90s manga. Yeah, very uh, like you know big eyes. we've got the um, the action lines everywhere. A lot of the speech bubbles look like they're kind of explosions. Um, it's it's using a lot of the the style conventions. Well, to be fair, this was originally a Japanese manga adaptation of the animated series that got circulated through Japan and then got imported to the U.S. in 98, which Mm -hmm. tells you why there's that, like, five-year gap between the animated series comes out, now we have this weird adaptation of it. Uh, (laughs) I think... I like like both artists on this, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, I've I've read the whole thing. This adapts almost the entire... This run in English adapts almost the entire first season up until the days of future past issues. It doesn't adapt to those. And that's very disappointing. Mm. The Colossus, you know, that episode where Colossus shows up. Yeah. Um, that's done as like a cartoon, cartoon manga. 
like Looney Tunes inspired, <laughs> and it rules. Actually, That's it's great. great. I like both. I like both artists on this. I do think Hiroshi Higuchi's work on the first two, I lean towards a bit more. He does some real interesting paneling. Yeah, uh, does some really cool dynamic stuff with that. Though I think the uh, uh, Koji Asui gets more to do in the second two issues since they're bigger fights. Yeah, a so, lot more action, especially in the uh, fourth issue. You know where they're where they're in their final battle with the uh, the Sentinels and combining their powers, and it 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 has this uh, this explosive action feel to it that's a lot of fun. Yeah, I actually really like these like it's not a it's not a mind-blowing story it's the it's an adaptation of night of the sentinels you've seen it everyone goes jubilee gets captured they go rescue her beach beast gets sent to prison morph dies wolverine punches cyclops goes after him again they save beast and he says actually i'm going to chill here for a bit folks uh and that's it yeah um but the way when I first started the the first issue, I didn't realize that it was an adaptation of the animated series. And I was kind of like thrown by that because um, then I was like, all right, is this like a strict adaptation? And what's fun about it is that it's not. It, it takes liberties with the dialogue. It takes liberties with um, the way scenes play out and the way that the action happens. And it's fun. Like... The, the way in which the characters are illustrated, the way that they move, the way that they interact, um, there, there's a lot of liberties taken. We're, we're not, I, I don't know, I'm just thinking about like, there, there's one shot, as Jubilee is, is a delight here, the way she's Amazing. illustrated throughout. You know, and, and it, using her as the POV character, but they, they use, uh, both artists are kind of playing around with like little cartoony tools. Um, and, and it's just, I don't know. Like I like the visual language of this and it, it makes it fun to read. It's, I, I totally agree. The art is a standout. And I think, I think honestly being an adaptation of story that most X-Men fans have memorized Mm -hmm. just from, just from osmosis. Yeah. Makes it even more interesting because you're getting this thing that you know you know the beats you know what's going to happen but it's been translated there and back into something that is transformative it's not different it's still recognizably x-men the animated series episode one and Mm -hmm. two yeah but it's done in a engaging way that you it's like what you really wanted grand design to be. And it wasn't really that. <laughs> okay. It's, I can see it's, that comparison. It's a remix. It's a remix of the story. And it's a remix brought in from a manga perspective and a legitimate manga perspective. Instead of CB Sabalski uh, drawing what he thinks or writing what he thinks manga sounds like, uh, which look, I'm not, I'm not picking on the Akira Yoshida thing though. That's pretty bad that he did that. I'm picking on the fact that he did that under the name CB Sabalski and put a bunch of things called X-Men manga verse out there and they aren't good. Uh, this is what I would love to track down now, um, is an actual like manga format 
of of the book because this was so, published in the U.S. as individual issues, like full size yeah. comic style issues, and it doesn't seem suited to that format. I think I think they make it work. They blow it up enough that it that it sure. lands right. I I think it would be. Listen, I bet if Marvel got these back and like put out, like, hey y'all, here's this four volume manga of the X Men from the nineties. I bet that would do decent money. I it's bet. already translated. I bet they've already got it. That's just a reprint thing. Throw that in a digest size and send it out there. Well, and I was gonna say that because that was one thing that really struck me as I was reading it is that I think kids would love this. Kids like, would love this. It's so. Kids love the X-Men animated series. Exactly. They and do. This, this takes that storytelling and adds an added component of, you know, like you mentioned uh, Wolverine punching Cyclops. We've all seen this <laughs> a million times as a, an animated GIF. And when it's when it happens in the book, it's this very like three-dimensional cartoon of like, what's the sound effect? It's like, thwam! And... Like, it's a massive sucker punch. It's exactly. good. You know, because you um, know he's gonna punch Cyclops, but he gets there and he punches Cyclops. Yeah. It, he it has he an doesn't energy steal Cyclops' car and rip off the top and said, Tell Scott I made him into a convertible. <laughs> we don't get that. It's already a Jeep and it's his Jeep. But I That's love okay. it still. Yeah. It's it's so cool. Again, to see this stuff literally taken from the original animated series, having an artist translate that into a manga for the Japanese audience, and then having someone translate that back into English. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. Yeah. I think it would be really great to see a reprint of this. Um, it is in black and white. Um, I don't see any real need to, to add any color to it whatsoever because the way no. in which it's illustrated, it, it just works very, very good. The dynamics there are there in the line work, in the, the tones that they use. Um, so that you don't have to do anything to this. And I think it would be a really great intro for younger uh, readers into um, into this world that, that we all really like. And I, I'm very surprised it's not on Unlimited. I'm not surprised that it's not on Unlimited. I bet it's... I bet Marvel would have to look real hard to find find <laughs> their copies of this because it was done. I I don't know the history of this. I couldn't find anything. Also, I didn't look very hard. But I'm assuming they outsourced this to someone over there in Japan. Mm -hmm. Some some publishing house out there. They said, "Hey, adapt this into a manga." Or someone bought the rights and Marvel brought it back over. So I bet it's hard for them to like. I wouldn't be shocked if they just don't have the original what art. they need. Yeah. But I bet I bet they could look, we got some good artists. We could figure something out, Marvel. <laughs> Hit us up. Just put us in the you know, as thanks. We did a good thing for X Men manga, maybe, in the future. Uh let's rank this one, because it's interesting and kinda good. It's a lot of fun. Um, so I I definitely would recommend it to people to track down. Um, I think it's better than something like at 271, we have X Campus, which is kind of a... Oh, yeah, it's way better than X Campus, but yeah. X Campus sucks! It's terrible. Um, it's it's doing something in a, in a, in a much more fun way. Um, and I, I think it's a, a really, you know, for, for all the reasons that we just said. Um, so, 
Hmm. I I just happened upon number 165, Mr. and Mrs. X, number mm-hmm. one through five, Love and Marriage. And I like this better than that, I think, but not a huge amount more. Like, I feel like you also still have to balance that this is a well-done adaptation of the animated special. Like, it's it's not... It's light. It is light. That's you're going to read at. it. You're going to read it real fast. You're going to enjoy it. It's sort of like this. Um, it's like eating candy. You know, <laughs> it's going to put you on a little bit of a sugar high. Um, but, it, you know, I would I would put it on par with like something fun. Like um, I know I'm not the biggest fan of this, but like at 156, we have um, uncanny 40 245 men. You know, it's it's silly like that. It is silly like that. I'd probably go a bit lower. Yeah, I wouldn't put uh, it at, uh, below that is Rogue. Um, I wouldn't put it ahead of that. Here's what I'd say. At 163, we have What If the X-Men Had Stayed in Asgard, and I think this works on the whole better than that. Mm-hmm. At 161, we've got X-Men 75, Anatomy of a Monster, and that's that's where we learn all the sad stuff about Maggot, a character who's staring me in the eyes right now. Oh. Uh, so, oh, but I love, I love, I have framed Maggot art from <laughs> Joshua Kassara that feeling. I look at every day. It's it's very good, and I do like this piece of art. Uh, I would uh, put but, it ahead, but though. I would put it below it, and then between those is X Men versus Agents of Atlas. Adam, your thoughts on that? I I think we're we're hitting. I think we agreed when we read that 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 was pretty fun, you know, just kind of like a Silver Agey romp. Um, so I would put this ahead of that. Okay. So this will be our new one sixty two. Great, yeah, folks. You know, do some long box digging. Track them down. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, this this is actually a good series. Yeah. This one's pretty good, guys. Uh, the next one's different. I was going to say, uh, you know, so far we've had two pretty, you know, you could see either the direct line or the adaptation line to the source material. But this last one is uh, the how many issues do, are we doing here? Six? We're doing the first six. Uh, okay. That's what's collected in the first trade of this. And I think it works thematically because all six of these issues of X-Men Evolution are six one-shots focusing on one or two members of the cast and how they interact and how they feel between episodes of the show. So it starts out, uh, the first three episodes, issues are actually before the series begins proper Mm -hmm. Uh, you get to see how professor xavier started the x-men his rivalry with magneto how scott and gene joined and then it kind of skips to be like hey and also the show's show's been running for like two years at this point so here's the cast of the show (laughs) and little things that are happening with them uh it's written by devin grayson who is like an established like good comic writer. I read I read some for Titans uh, on recommendation, and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's penciled, uh, or I guess I should say, all the art is done by Udon Studios, which I actually think is a really smart choice for an adaptation of an animated series because you know they're a they're an art house. 
they are focused on drawing consistently, drawing on model, like making it so that their artists aren't distinguishable from each other, more or less. And I think that really works for this. Um, to an extent. I think that's, I'd to like to hear extent. your thoughts, but I, I think uh, you're probably right. You know, I, I think we were talking before uh, on the air that, you know, like you, you grew up watching this show. You loved it. I remember watching I the did. first couple seasons and enjoying the, the, the high school premise. Um, if you look at the character design, it's very strong on the show. You know, yes. um, when we, when we see some of these characters in the way that this, uh, this art studio is depicting them, sometimes it works, depends on the character. There are a lot of panels of, especially I'm, I'm thinking of Wolverine and I'm thinking of Professor X in particular, where the facial expressions are just weird, you know, like they kind of look like their faces are, are sagging um, in ways that, you know, the, the way in which they're drawn for the show is very architectural, you know, Um everybody has these sort of like rectangular edges to them. Um, whereas, you know, to establish that they have different facial expressions here, I just, sometimes it just does not work depending on the angle of the character. Um, you know, whatever it may be. I, I don't have an issue with it on the whole. I think it pairs nicely with the way the cartoon is done, but mm -hmm. it's not the strongest all the time. Um, sure, I think that's fair. Can I pick on something I, else here that I just you uh, can it, you it, can pick on a lot. I I was mean to Pride of the X Men. Let's be fair. So I feel like if someone's mean to me about X Men Evolution, I need to, you know, I need to take that. I need to accept um, that. Well, and keep in mind, this is not the show. As Zach mentioned, this is very this, much an opportunity for them to kind of like you. You called it what between the the raindrops before we, we yeah. got on the air. Um, so it, it gives them an opportunity to kind of explore some of the relationships that maybe didn't get enough screen time. Uh, for example, the, what is this? The fifth issue is, um, yeah. Fifth issue is all about rogue and mystique. Um, mm -hmm. and they're, which got a good, like of the first season, that first rogue ish or rogue episode you should watch. It's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Like it's the one that holds up pretty good. Also has destiny and mystique just as a couple uh as, it, as much as a children's show in the early 2000s good it's like hey yeah these are these are these are definitely you know wives and good for them yeah um i think from a production standpoint uh, the lettering on this drives me nuts it is all lowercase um i don't know what the deal is with that and just the the letter to um like bubble ratio uh, the borders around the letter like there's something about the lettering that just seems very 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 <laughs> not my not my cup of tea like i did what i was supposed to do with lettering and didn't notice it okay uh, so i'm actually i'm i'm gonna pull that up right now on that app and see what you're talking about because i'm curious yeah it just doesn't really seem to be professionally done i mean it, it's it's legible it, it's legible i i'm not arguing with that i just think like 
anything from bubble placement down to like how close the bubbles come to the 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 letters it, it just drives me nuts um, that was sharp fonts randy gentile on the letters i apologize oh. and i think i can tell you what the problem is now that i'm looking at it which is the font is bad <laughs> well it's it's not it's not to me it's not that it's a sentence case because i don't mind that like and that's pretty common for especially an early 2000s book and especially a early 2000s book focused on young uh, audiences. Like if you look at the Malibu line that Marvel did, like Runaways, that's got this. Uh, but the actual font choice, it's not Comic Sans, but it is close. Yeah, I. you know what? I wasn't really looking at this closely enough, but it is a font. Like... Yeah, bud. This is this is just a no weird it's font. <laughs> it's not hand drawn panels. I mean, it's not uh, the bubbles look like they're um, they're not hand drawn either. So yeah, the bubbles aren't hand drawn, or it uh, doesn't look that way. No, I don't part. think so. Like okay, yeah, is... I'm looking. I'm looking at it. Their standard oval bubble, yeah, uh, has the exact same contour. Like someone someone drew this once. Mm-hmm. And then they made it bigger or smaller. Longer. Yeah, and they're just repeating. They're just they have. I'm I'm seeing the same bubble constantly. Yeah. Anyway, that was something that just visually drove me nuts. In terms of the individual, that's fair. Yeah, in terms of the individual stories, um, I, I thought they were fine. You know, like I I thought the rogue issue was pretty strong. The sixth issue is all about Spike. Um, and there, mimics the, there, which I was not expecting. Who I'm? What is it? Mimic is there? Yes, yes, yes. Mimic is the adversary in the sixth issue. Um, he was not in the show at all. He no. is wearing his orange shirt with a big M on it, which is real good. <laughs> uh, the the third? No, is it the fourth issue? Is the which one's the Nightcrawler issue? I think it's the fourth issue. That that'd be the fourth one. Yeah, yeah. Where Nightcrawler is... has body image issues and. Mm-hmm. Kitty, who I actually really like the the Nightcrawler and Kitty relationship on the show, is different in the than in the comics, mostly because Kitty Pride's pretty different than in the comics. She's she's not just a small adult right. <laughs> in the show. She's like a teenage. She's, she's she gets she gets coded as like a Valley Girl in some stuff, which fine. I think. I think her costume in the show is the best costume Kitty Pryde's ever had. Uh, but, uh, like, I get it. They have a great relationship in the show, and it translates really well here. Because mm-hmm. she doesn't fully get why Nightcrawler's not comfortable in his own skin. But she mm-hmm. doesn't want to, like, be a jerk about it. And it could be very easy to write that into, well, why don't you just, why don't you just be yourself, Kurt? I'm myself <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Uh, I do take a, uh, objection to the fact that uh, his English teacher accepts a one-word essay response. Um, we and... did it. Did we see that graded? <laughs> did we see that graded? Because I bet the teacher was like, "What are you? Why did you just?" He gets it. It's framed around an essay prompt about. Uh, yes, what it, what, what it... I am at home that I can't be at school. And Which after, I think is a weirdly intrusive thing to be assigning to your students personally. Um, well, she does have a very responsible response to Kurt's uh, one word writing, which is just 
blue, the written in what looks like blue crayon. Uh, <laughs> if if a teacher gets that response, they might want to, you know, guide that student towards some counseling. And she does try yeah. to do that. Um, he reassures her that everything's fine. I think he's going to fail that assignment, though. Yeah, no, she should say, Kurt, I really do hope everything's good. This isn't what I asked for. You've, <laughs> I wanted, is garbage I wanted writing, Kurt like Wagner. 500 words. That's all. A very short essay. <laughs> I love uh, how it's also stapled three pages. So he just ignored the page count and just like <laughs> with crayon. Anyway. It's very um, good. I, I personally like, I think the second issue uh, with Cyclops, I like a lot. But I'm also sure. an easy mark for Cyclops being sad and having to get his eyes fixed stories. I think if you are a fan of the TV show, these are worth checking out. And it'll expand sort of the the storytelling and the world building of uh, of X-Men Evolution. Um, if you we've, didn't... We've only... Oh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, if you've never watched the show... I think this may be more of a difficult standalone. I think that's fair to say. I'd also say that I think we've covered seven of the nine-ish. How many? Yeah, because we did nine. uh, Seven of the nine. Yep. Right. The two that we have left, I remember being the best issues of the run. Well, that's good. We could save them for another another time. One's a new mutants issue, and one of them is a... uh, a Morlocks issue. Mm. Like they just, they just do the story where Callisto captures Archangel. And I remember that being pretty dope. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. See Callisto that. doesn't show up in the, does Callisto, Callisto might be in the fourth season. Hmm. Seems like, I know the more, the Morlocks. no, the Morlocks are definitely there in the show at a certain point. I'm speaking out of turn because Spike, who's a bad character, Spike's bad. I don't like Spike, actually. Uh, he shouldn't just be Storm's nephew. That's weird. Uh, you mean Spike like how does... Bishop might be Storm's son? Oh, my gosh. Yes, shut up. No, we've, we've already said that that doesn't work, and also that they can shut up about that. Oh, I hate uh, that. It's, look, it ain't canon. It ain't canon. They heavily implied it. But if you don't make those implications explicit, we can ignore it. And we will. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, where do we have the other X-Men evolution? Let's see. Uh, That's at 260. And I think this is better than that. I would agree. I would agree. These are better than that issue. Number 240 is the first time that Havoc... Uh, appears with the sentinels uh, flying into the sun. And I think it's going to be hard to go much past that. Like, like three, two thirty is uncanny one seventy nine. What happened to Kitty? That's that time that Kitty almost gets married again. Uh, But this time to Caliban. Oh no, we, I don't think we're that high. No, we're not. I don't like um, I think we're we're closer to like 236 is Dark Rain the list Wolverine 1 you know like I think we're I don't yeah maybe even like uh X-Men 118 to 119 Subversions of Japan Yeah I'm looking at this I would say between um, 
so the problem is that that first havoc story is uneven as all get out because the first half's bad and the second half's good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I would let's. I'm I'm gonna let my nostalgia get to me, and I'd say above that, but below submergence of Japan. Yeah, as our new number two forty two. Great. All right, that's a perfect place for it. Well, it's the place that it's at. Hey guys, we did it. We did it again. You, wouldn't you know it? We got distracted talking about those good mutants, and you got a little bit of extra, extra episode in this one because we did spend ten minutes talking about our feelings about Pride of the X Men. This was a weird episode, but I think it let us talk about things that we haven't talked about really on the show. It's true. And I'd like to think that we talked a lot about the art on this one, Adam. Yeah, I guess maybe. I feel like we did. Yeah. Uh, and we'll have to maybe do like uh, X-Men movie adaptations at some point. I don't know if the, if anybody ever requests that. Well, if someone wants us to, and I will, y'all have no idea how much I want to do this. We'd be talking <laughs> about, we'd be talking, we'd be talking about the thing that Chris Claremont and Salvador La Roca did for TV Guide. We'd be talking <laughs> about the Brian K. Vaughn uh, Wolverine for X-Men 2. We'd be talking about the comic that came in the DVD case for X-Men The Last Stand, where uh, Magneto and Professor X make fun of Stan Lee for like 40 pages. Deep it's... cuts. Oh, Listen, folks, <laughs> because I'm obviously excited about this. If you want to hear us do this, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash battle the atom, <laughs> throw money on our way, $2, and you can make all of my dreams come true. Uh, and... You know, you get stuff like early episode access at the $5 a month level. You get to help vote on some of the other stories that we cover. Uh, if you go at the high, high levels, uh, you just get to, like, make requests willy-nilly, really, uh, bi-yearly and then quarterly at the 25 uh, And if more people get on the $25 a month level, it will break our podcast again. Uh, we already <laughs> we already had to fix that once. Uh, we've only got so much more we can break. <laughs> Uh, but no, this is all good. This is all good. Uh, if you can't support us, shoot us a review. We love reviews. I I search for them all the time because I desperately want to know what everyone thinks about me at all times because I'm a <laughs> deeply broken person. <laughs> deeply broken. Uh, but it's okay. Uh, or just go to XavierFiles.com. That's where you get all the latest, greatest in X-Men news, reviews, articles, there's been some great stuff that's come up recently. Uh, I did write a weird esoteric thing about Sonic the Hedgehog, but it's really about always, the comic strip Mr. Boop. Always Sonic the Hedgehog? What the heck I've is got, Mr. Boop? Oh, uh, it's about cartoonist Alec Robbins and his real-life marriage to his wife, Betty Boop. Okay. That's a thing? Adam. Adam. <laughs> Adam. Yes? It's Mr. Boop. Oh, you're you're holding it up. Okay, cool. I yes, this is collection one of Mr. Boop. Collection two is somewhere else. I have bonus boop. I am learning about the boop. Oh, bud. Bud. <laughs> I'm gonna send you some Twitter links. Uh you're gonna go on a weird thread journey later. Here's a line. Here's a line from one of the comics. Uh Alec is at a bar uh, with his bartender Sonic the Hedgehog. And Sonic just says well, Alec, I'm a pretty sexually open guy. Oh, no. I know that, Sonic. And I'm going to tell you a pretty crazy idea. Thought Balloon. Sonic is so sexually open. I'm jealous. I wonder what he's going to say. 
Okay, I don't know if you should send this. I think I should. Mr. Boop is... This sure is a thing. Mr. Boop is good. Anyway, I wrote about that for the website. Uh, You also get a glimpse into my truly cursed Instagram feed, so you can do that if you want. Uh, Don't follow my Instagram. I I hid my name for a reason. It's for me to know and no one to ever find out about the very bad content that algorithms give me. Adam, where can people find your bad content? Guys, all the bad content that I create, you can find it at Arthur Stacy on Twitter. Uh, Zach, we've got a big one coming next week, man. I'm pumped. Hey, Adam. Yeah. While you slept, the world changed. Oh, my God. We're doing Hoxpox. I can't believe I'm it. I'm excited. Guys, Hoxpox is good. Spoiler alert. I've already reread it once. I'm going to reread it again this week. Me I bet too. it'll continue to rule. It will. Like, this is this is a little bit of uh, recency bias. It also does rule, actually. It's also very good. It was the only pure 12 weeks that I can imagine in the last four years. Those were beautiful times where everyone was united in thinking about these weird books that were coming out. And it's a beautiful thing. And we've got to talk about that next week. We also got some weird stories to go with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of them are new. Hoxbox is the only new one. We, we, aren't, we aren't getting too deep into that. But until then, guys, this has been Battle of the Atom. And we hope you survived the experience. Yeah!